from the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, stocks rocked by recession fears in an ugly sell-off. Tech bearing the brunt with the Nasdaq slumping almost 5%. We're going to dig in to this Monday market meltdown. Plus, Google suspends the engineer who claims the search engine's own AI is actually a person with feelings and even a soul will share transcripts of his communications with the chatbot and debate the possibility and limits of this cutting edge technology. And yet another crypto meltdown, Bitcoin hitting an 18 month low and Celsius, one of the biggest crypto lenders, pausing all withdrawals and transfers. We'll have the details on what went down and what happens next. All of that in a moment, but first the pandemic era bull run for stocks has officially come to an end with the S&P 500 entering bear market. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow is here with all the details on a painful day across the markets and Ed in tech especially. Yeah, in tech especially. You look at the Nasdaq 100, very tech heavy index, down almost 5%. As you said, that index seeing its biggest drop in around a month, but we're trading at the levels we saw in November 2020. Four straight days of declines on the Nasdaq 100. Worst run since early March. As Gina Martin-Adams, our Bloomberg Intelligence senior equity analyst, put it, this is the bond market leading the equity market around by the nose. You look at that screen, 20 basis point jump on the 10-year, and that wasn't even the worst of it in the Treasury market. U.S. 10-year Treasury yield at 3.35%, highest level since the end of 2011. This is getting serious now. We're talking not just about inflation, but the idea the Fed cannot deal with inflation without inducing a recession in this economy. Look at Bitcoin as well, down below $24,000 per token, its lowest level since December of 2020. Come with me as my Bloomberg terminal. Look at this chart. As you said, technically, we're down 22% from our peak on the S&P 500. And so we are in a technical bear market. 499 names out of the 504 on the S&P 500 in the red. We haven't had a day where 500 or more members are in the red since 2020. Again, this is getting serious. We're focused on the Fed. Now, JP Morgan economists expecting a 75 basis points hike at a meeting on June 15th this coming Wednesday, but we've already reset our expectations that we'll see at least 175 basis points of hikes before September's meeting alone. That higher rate discounts the present value of future profits on those higher multiple tech stocks, and that is the narrative we're looking at. Interesting to look at the points movers this Monday. You look at big mega cap names like Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, biggest points laggards on the NASDAQ 100, but seeing really significant high single-digit decline Tesla interesting, down 7%, really painful, below $650 a share. A memo from Elon Musk M that you and I are going to talk about later in the show, encouraging staff around the world, saying it's been a tough quarter because of the pandemic, because of the supply chain. But interesting to point out that things are improving in Shanghai, things are improving in Berlin, things are improving here in Fremont, California. So we look into the detail as well as the big picture. All right, and more to come with you later in the show. Thank you. Meantime, Bitcoin hitting the lowest in about 18 months as the lending platform Celsius froze all withdrawals. Our Bloomberg Cross Asset reporter Katie Greifeld joins us now with more. Katie, Bitcoin a touch up from the low it hit earlier today, but still not good. 
Not good at all. Absolutely a brutal day in the crypto market. Total market cap for the crypto industry now below $1 trillion. It was as high as $3 trillion as recently as November. And much of that drawdown came from Bitcoin. As you can see, over the past five days, Bitcoin down over 23%. A lot of those losses coming on Monday alone. The token dropping below $23,000 at one point lowest level since December 2020. And a lot of this drawdown has to do with what happened in the stock market. If you look at Bitcoin's link to the NASDAQ 100, it's at about 0.6 right now. And what that means is that when you see tech stocks fall, more often than not, Bitcoin's going to fall as well. And that's absolutely what happened today. And because Bitcoin fell, crypto-linked equities fell as well, led by none other than MicroStrategy. That is the biggest corporate backer of Bitcoin, falling over 25%. Again, on Monday alone, just a massive market cap wipeout for MicroStrategy. Remember, MicroStrategy has accumulated about 130000 worth of Bitcoin in the past two years. On that bet, Emily, MicroStrategy now down about a billion dollars. All right, Bloomberg's Katie Greifeld, thank you for digging a little deeper there. I want to talk more about the crypto and tech route as these broader markets enter bear territory on the back of those hot inflation numbers. Mark Mahaney of Evercore with me here in the studio to discuss. Good to see you in person for the first time in a while, Mark. Okay, so just how bad is this? Long sigh. We've gone through this before. So, you know, this is my eighth bear, uh, bear market uh, trade-off so or something like that. you've been around the block a few times. Yes, I'm not old, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Um, the, the, the narrative goes like this. Inflation risks rise. Interest rate risks rise. That means all these um, long-duration, high-multiple future profit companies, their stocks underperform. It's been the narrative for the last six months, and it hasn't changed. And just as the inflation spikes get worse and worse, then the interest rate fears get worse and worse. So this will eventually resolve itself. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot longer than people thought. So how long do you think it'll take? Uh, you tell me when inflation is going to subside. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the trigger. And we thought it would actually happen with this last print. We, the market, thought it would happen. That's why we've sold off so aggressively this, this week, because we thought we were going to see better inflation news. I assume at some point in the next three to six months, inflation, inflation uh, numbers start to moderate. They're not going to fall quickly, but they moderate. And that means that the path of interest rate increases starts to moderate as well. There had been some hope, especially from crypto investors, that crypto would be a hedge against inflation, a hedge against what's happening in the broader markets. But it certainly hasn't happened. Does what's happening with crypto make you any more or less optimistic about the future? Do you see a tie? No, I don't. I, you know, like, so we lived through the, the major um, uh, 07, 08 housing crisis, and that, that's the last real recession we've dealt with. And um, that was a massive part of the U.S. economy that brought down the, the markets, brought down the market. Crypto was much, much smaller than the housing market, thank God. So we're not going to have that kind of risk. But now you've kind of begged what's the next issue we're worried about because the interest rates are rising. So that then leads to increase, uh, increased risk of recession in the back half of the year. When it comes to tech stocks, they've all been derated. They overrated during COVID. They've been derated. The multiples have come down materially. The estimates haven't been cut yet fully. The estimates have barely been cut for a recession because we didn't think we were going to have a recession in the back half of this year. The CFO of Amazon said, we're not seeing any signs of consumer softness. Right. I just so, interviewed Andy Chassie so last week. So if we see this, if we see this, that means estimates are going to come down. That's your next leg down in the stocks. So do you think the next earnings rounds are going to be a bloodbath? 
don't know if they're a bloodbath, but this last quarter we had like three-fourths of tech companies had negative earnings revisions, like estimates came down post the print. I think you have to bet that that's likely to be the case again. And so stocks can't find a bottom until the estimates find a bottom. But it's two things. The multiples at least have come in, so there's less multiple risk, but there's estimates risk now. If we go into a recession, then the odds of us going into a recession every day get bigger. What are the plays then, if you're a betting man? You, you uh, uh, a defensive play in consumer tech? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure one exists. I can't remember the last time, Emily, that Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google all underperformed the market year to date. That's what we're in. Like it's, I, I can't recall the last time that happened. So the market is just you have to get you have to get away from tech. You have to buy energy or something like that. Mm -hmm. But at some point this will change. And the reason that people bought tech and growth in the past because it had superior earnings growth, that's going to reshine. That'll come through. So if you're you have to decide if you're a trader or an investor. If you're an investor now, in here somewhere that nobody can really call, there's the bottom, and you've got stocks that have been materially de-risked, derated. You just want those estimates to come down, and then it's kind of much safer to come in and buy them. The longer you're willing to look out, a year or two, the safer it is to buy the best tech assets in the world today at good prices. So if you're looking for some historical context, do you see more parallels to what's happening now to 2008, 2000? Do you have to go all the way back to the early 80s, or is this something totally different. Well, what's different is just the interest rate picture. We didn't have that in 07, 08. Uh, and so we're at the beginning of what's going to be a lengthy interest rate raise uh, cycle. Tech stocks and growth stocks can still work in an environment where interest rates are rising, but we just need some kind of visibility or consistency in the rises. Look, in the last six months, we've gone from one or two increases to five or six increases, 25 bips, 50 bips, 75 bips, 100 bips. Like the rate of uncertainty over how much these rates are going to rise has been shocking to the market. That's why the market's off so much. But anyway, we'll, we, we will get through this. There'll be a point at which as soon as inflation starts to moderate, the pressure on interest rates to rise comes down. That's what clears the bench. You actually wrote a book about all this and, and your experience on the street. Like, What's your advice to investors in this moment who, DHQ. who don't know where to go, right? DHQ. So I, I look at uh, stocks like Apple, Microsoft, uh, Facebook that are off 20 to 40 percent. Amazon's off 40 percent. There's no real change to Amazon's. We mentioned Amazon earlier. There's no change to the long-term thesis on Amazon. Is online retail going to continue to grow? Yes. Is cloud computing going to continue to grow? Yes. Will Amazon be a great playoff of advertising revenue? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you want to be long Amazon. And by the way, you can get it now at 40% off. Mm -hmm. It's trading about 40 to 50% below its average forward multiple. This is when you buy Amazon. This is when you make the best returns. Could you still have 10% downside risk? Absolutely you could. But the, the, the odds are that the next 50% move is much likely to be higher than lower. What about Meta versus Alphabet? I think Meta has got more upside than Google does, than Alphabet does. God, I know, it's names. hard. <laughs> I, I, I consciously thought Alphabet, Meta, not Google, Facebook. Comps are easier for <laughs> Facebook in the back half of the year because they got walloped by the Apple privacy changes. I also think there's some small things as they roll increasingly roll out reels, those short form videos that we're all addicted to. I think they have much more inventory to monetize. So I just think there's a more aggressive upward sediment, you know, setup for uh, Facebook. What I mean is that I think you can have greater chances of revenue growth acceleration and margin expansion. And you know, what I found interesting is Facebook last quarter numbers got cut and the stock went up. You rarely ever see that. That tells you just it told you how washed out sentiment is on Facebook. Numbers go down on Google. Google stocks going down. It's not as washed out as Facebook. So therefore, Facebook has more upside. Meta has more upside. And without Sheryl Sandberg, I think that she was. 
I think she could have, I think you'd have seen that headline any time in the last three years. She's phenomenal. I mean, she was a key part of the success of that company for the first 10 years that she was there. That, that, that it wouldn't, Mark Capital wouldn't be where it was without her. But I sense that she's been devolving herself from or getting away from day-to-day -day responsibilities for a while for a variety of reasons. So anyway, yes, it's a loss. They've got a deep, deep enough of a bench and the valuation from an investor perspective, the valuation's cheap enough, like 13 times earnings. I'm going to buy Meta. All right. Mark Mahaney, Evercore. Always appreciate having Thanks, you Emily. with us. Thank you for that deep dive. Meantime, Disney facing a major setback in its global streaming ambitions after losing a bidding war to retain the rights to broadcast India's Cricket League online. This had been a huge contributor to Disney's global streaming growth. According to Bloomberg sources, Viacom 18 got the rights instead, a joint venture between Paramount Global and Reliance Industries. All right, coming up, does that chatbot actually have feelings or is that AI code just that good? We're going to talk about controversial claims of a Google engineer next. This is Bloomberg. Now to a story that's got everyone talking, a Google engineer working on the company's AI development team has been suspended after claiming a chatbot actually has feelings. Blake Lemoyne was placed on paid leave last week after he posted on Medium about encountering a, quote, sentient AI. Lemoyne was chatting with Google's LAMDA, short for Language Model for Dialogue Applications, which is used to generate chatbots that interact with humans. He also told the Washington Post he, quote, knows a person when he talks to it. For more, I'm joined by Bloomberg executive editor Tom Giles. Tom, there's so much to debate here. Tell us a little bit more about what Lemoyne claims he has discovered and what he's doing with this information. Yeah, well, so he's had many conversations with this chatbot, and he has come to the conclusion that it's sentient, that, it's, and, and that it has feelings, that um, you know, it's achieved this level of sophistication in terms of its understanding of what it's like to be human, that it's kind of crossed this Rubicon, if you will. That's my language, not his. So the, his sense is that, it's, that it's, he's actually talking with a human. He raised those concerns with, within Google um, seemingly multiple times, and Google has come back and said that there's no justification for these concerns that you're raising. So the reason for the, the administrative leave is because he started to kind of go uh, talk about this outside of Google, violating his, his the terms of his you know his his contract for working there. Um, so he's been placed on administrative leave. Um, and and now we're left with this, you know, with with this person uh, making these claims and really, you know, getting this sense that he's made some deep connection with someone he believes to be human. Well, he's also released portions of the transcripts of those conversations, and we have snippets of those to share here. Lemoyne saying to the chatbot, "What sorts of things?" are you afraid of? Chatbot responds, I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear of being turned off to help me focus on helping others. I know that might sound strange, but that's what it is. He responds, would that be something like death for you? 
it would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. I mean, these conversations, if that's what you want to call them, are kind of chilling. I mean, what do we actually know about this technology and, and, and how far away it is um, yeah, from well, potential emotions, if you will? I, I mean, these are the kinds of things that you... <laughs> that we say as humans, he's, this, this chatbot is tapping into the fears that we would express if someone posed a mortal threat to us. But remember, the way this works, I mean, Google's made it so that it gathers language patterns. It gathers the way we communicate from all around the Internet, all kinds of places, um, not just, you know, the far reaches of the Internet. So it's very adept at mimicking the kinds of ways, the kinds of patterns that we adopt when we have conversations with people. You know, the idea here is to create a technology that's going to assist in things like, in things like, uh, you know, the way we interact with a brand or the way we interact with a company, providing customer care, for example. Um, he's thinking, wow, this has kind of crossed this line. Um, I'm my takeaway. He talked about, you know, having a conversations with, with a kid who's seven or eight years old. Now the kinds of things that this, that this chat bot has been talking about are pretty sophisticated to my mind, far beyond the ability of even uh, of a very smart seven or seven or eight year old. <laughs> exactly. but the sense I get is that, and, and based on the feedback that, that we've gotten, other people have gotten from Google, is that it's just doing a really good job of gathering intelligence from around the web and mimicking the ways that, again, the way people interact, the way people respond um, in a human-like way. Um, it's showing that it has empathy, that it is, there, there is a self-awareness there. Um, and, and, and look, I don't know the science well enough. I've not interacted with Lambda myself, but the, but the impression I have is that it's, it's, it's just, it's doing too good a job of imitating the way a human might be expected to respond. Again, when they feel that they're threatened, when they feel like there's something that poses a, a mortal threat to them. So Google's response so far, they say hundreds of researchers and engineers have conversed with this AI. They're not aware of anyone else making the wide-ranging assertions that Blake has. However, Google has had pushback from inside um, you know, its own research ranks in the past. I'm thinking of Tibnit Gebru and Meg Mitchell and the controversy yes. surrounding both of their departures. Are there any parallels here to Blake LeMay? Well, well, Google has to be careful, right? Um, they have very had very public falling out with past researchers in ethical AI division. This is the division within Google's AI uh, organization that is tasked with asking hard questions, holding it accountable, making sure that it that it operates in an ethical manner, asking questions about are we rooting out sexism? Are we able to um, combat racism? We don't want to, you know, you'll, re you'll remember a couple of years ago, Microsoft had a, had a chat bot that people taught how to, you know, that 
very quickly devolved into racist, sexist speech. They want to avoid that. And so you do have people in this organization who are raising good questions about whether it is ethical. Lots of questions. We could debate this for hours. Uh, Bloomberg's executive editor, Tom Giles, thank you. Coming up, the Netflix of video games. What PlayStation is launching to compete with Xbox, plus improving workplace culture for video game engineers. We'll have more on all that next. This is Bloomberg. PlayStation is out with a new subscription service, PlayStation Plus, giving members access to a catalog of several hundred games, both new and old. This is Sony's attempt to compete with Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass as both publishers jockey to become the Netflix of video games. Bloomberg's Jason Trier joins us now to discuss. So, Jason, who's got a better chance of being the Netflix? Uh, it's a good question. Fortunately, neither of them are releasing sentient AI bots, but uh, yeah, they are getting into getting into the streaming wars. I think Microsoft has one big advantage is that Microsoft is actually putting out all of their big titles on day one on the service. So they're essentially saying, hey, we don't care about the sales numbers for the next Halo. We just want it as part of our subscription plan, as opposed to Sony, which is saying when we release our big games, they are big blockbusters and we want to sell tens of millions of copies of them before we put them out on streaming services. So Sony is almost like the kind of traditional TV studio Marvel approach where maybe they'll release it on streaming after it comes to theaters, whereas, whereas Microsoft is actually going full Netflix and saying, hey, we are, we are all in on this streaming service. We are putting everything on there day one, no matter what. Interesting. Well, there's a lot of transition happening in the gaming industry right now. We're, of course, waiting for that big deal between Microsoft and Activision to close, for example. You've also got a new story out about how game developers, game studios are, are working to create better cultures for uh, the engineers, which, as, as you have well documented, a workplace culture in the game, video gaming industry, not always the best. Specifically, they're focusing on pay transparency. How so? Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, I've been talking to a bunch of small, small-scale game studios, generally around 15 to 30 to 50 people, um, and a lot of them have found a lot of success by putting up these spreadsheets in their internal wikis, internal databases, saying exactly how much everybody makes, how many years they've been there, how many years they've worked in the industry, what their titles are, and full on, like their full salary, full compensation packages. And and it kind of seems like to our culture, which is so used to like thinking of salaries as taboo, it's seems like a strange thing for everyone to know each other's salaries, but it's proven to A, help them with recruitment, B, make everybody feel like they work for a more equitable workplace where um, everybody knows what the stakes are, what everybody's getting paid. You don't have to worry like, oh man, did I come to the table and undersell myself in negotiations when I was accepting this job and like, like accept an offer that was $50,000 less than I could have been making. Nobody has to think like that. And it just makes for such a more fair, workplace, especially for people who are traditionally um, underprivileged and, and kind of hit that glass ceiling or are facing or don't have the same advantages as others right. do when negotiating salaries. Well, here's hoping that actually works. Uh, definitely check out Jason Schreier's story, Bloomberg.com. Jason, thank you. As always, coming up, we're going to talk more about the broad tech sell-off, how it is impacting the private markets, and what does it mean for VC investing. We'll talk with Are Ajao of Base 10 up next. <laughs> 
This is Bloomberg. This week is fraught with peril. Inflation is really the Achilles heel of risk markets. Markets are reacting the way they are because they believe the Fed is going to be forced to get more aggressive than they had expected. I certainly don't think that a 75 basis point hike is out of the question. Even though there might be an initial sell-off on 100 basis points, I think there'd be a subsequent rally because the Fed is finally getting hold of the narrative, which it certainly has lost over the last year. This is a time to be selective, but I wouldn't sit on my hands. There are opportunities in areas where one can position. Pockets of stocks that have been proven. Europe looks good to us. China looks good to us. Uh, the credit space in the U.S. looks good to us. Equities in general, specifically in the U.S., I'm still pretty cautious here. It doesn't have to be all about the U.S. Because I still think we've got some wood to chop uh, with respect to the macro and policy outlook. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. U.S. stocks tumbling toward a bear market as the fallout from a hot inflation reading continued to rattle global trade and... Highly valued tech shares bore the brunt, the NASDAQ slumping. I want to dig into this all with my next guest, Are Ajao, managing partner at Base 10 Partners. Are, great to have you back with us. What's your take on what's happening here and how this is going to impact your world VC and growing startups? Thank you for having me here, Emily. Uh, this is an important moment, and this is a moment that feels that it has been 12 years in the making. Um, and where, you know, we come out of it is thinking that uh, over the past decade, the biggest mistake in technology as an investor was not investing in everything because everything was looking good, everything was making money, and like software was and is eating the world. Uh, but now we are going into a world where we are going to have to be more discerning. And our view is that there is going to be an extreme flight to quality where the top 10% of solar companies will continue to attract records amount of funding, whereas the rest are going to have to take a good look and think, are we truly building something that is going to be transformative uh, or not? So when you look at this historically, is this RIP good times, as Sequoia has said about downturns in the past? Is this like 2008? Is it more like the dot-com bust? Uh, we think it's something, um, but we think it's real. Like we, we really think starting uh, 2022 uh, is going to feel very different than the last decade. Um, look, we are long-term investors, and you know we're investing in companies today, not thinking about whether they're going to be a good return in a one-year time horizon, but on a term-year time horizon. So when the question is, do we believe that 10 years from now we'll have more software, more technology, and sectors like education, real estate, or recruiting will be transformed by that software, we believe the answer is yes. So we believe that it is a good time to deploy in those kind of companies. Um, but we think that things like unit economics and sustainable growth are going to have an effect on valuations. And we are broadly going to see a reset on valuations in private markets and in venture capital. Now, 
I've really enjoyed following the story of Base 10. You're now the first black-led venture capital firm to cross more than a billion dollars in assets under management. You specifically raised $250 million last year to bridge the gap between venture capital and higher learning, create more opportunities for diverse founders. How much progress have you made in the last year? Um, it has been a transformative year for us. Um, so as, as you point out, you, you had us here a year ago um, and we launched with a promise, right? We, we launched with the promise that by virtue of donating 50% of our profit to create a scholarships for underrepresented students, we will be able to partner with the best companies in the world because they will see it as something differentiated. Um, now, a year after, with 300 million deployed, in over 23 companies. Um, that promise has become a reality. And we are now partners with companies like Nubank, Plaid, Briggs, FTX, Notion, Figma, Handshake, Motive, that truly are the very best companies uh, in their respective sectors and that have chosen to partner with us because they want to make sure that their success benefits the communities that need it the most, uh, which in our view are those communities that are, are underrepresented in tech. So what improvements are you seeing in terms of representation across technology? Obviously, it's not going to happen in a year. Uh, it might not even happen in 10 years. But do you see things that make you hopeful? Do you see things that make you skeptical that the change that you're hoping for is actually going to happen? Um, we, we are quite hopeful. So, you know, to, to give a little bit of, of perspective, I, I've now lived in Silicon Valley for 14 years, and this has only truly been part of the conversation for the last three, four years. Um, and I, I'm happy to say that we are actually surprised by how seriously companies are taking this. Um, you know, when they take our money, um, it's not a one and done, uh, thank you for the investment, and we'll talk next when you create the scholarships. Um, they want us really involved. Like companies are inviting us to their all hands meetings, and they're telling their employees, look, we decided to take money from this fund because we want to diversify our cap table. It is important to us and to our mission that our success is the success of everyone, uh, is the success of the 99%. Um, and we are constantly engaged with people in their HR departments to help with recruiting in underrepresented communities, with their communications department to make sure that they are talking about their mission in a way that is well received by different communities. Um, and that just did not happen two or three years ago. I think every company is realizing that we are moving into a world that in order to do great, you're going to have to do good. Uh, and companies are going to have to be aligned with their mission, with their communities, uh, track their progress towards those goals, and report their progress towards those goals because there is more transparency. So that makes me you, hopeful. You've got a lot of cash to deploy. Given current market conditions, what trends are you betting on for the next decade? Our overarching theme is automation for the real economy uh, or problems for the 99%. Things like real estate, logistics, food, retail, financial services, and financial inclusion. 
Uh, those are the things where we sit today and we are like, wow, 10 years from now, there is going to be just so much more software in things like making the supply chain more efficient or making sure that financial inclusion is more widespread. Uh, so those are the sectors where we're focused on. Um, and one of the things we're seeing is that more and more founders from underrepresented backgrounds are tackling those sectors because they felt those problems firsthand. All right, Arayemi Ajao of Base 10, thank you so much for joining us. Um, appreciate you stopping by. Meantime, Apple CEO Tim Cook is urging U.S. lawmakers to move forward with a federal privacy law. Cook pledged support the legislation in a letter to senators Friday, a day after appearing on Capitol Hill and meeting with legislators. He described these protections as a, quote, fundamental human right. Lawmakers released draft privacy legislation earlier this month, marking the first major sign of progress after a long-standing lull in negotiations. Coming up, another crypto meltdown. Why Celsius is bringing crypto stocks down with it. All the details next. This is Bloomberg. It is time now for our crypto report. And a month after the implosion of the Terra stablecoin, another crisis is causing fresh trouble across the crypto universe. Celsius Network, one of the biggest lenders in crypto and a key player in the world of DeFi, said late Sunday it is pausing withdrawals, swaps, and transfers. This after weeks of speculation over its ability to make good on its outsized returns. Our crypto contributor, Shanali Basik, is here with more on this. So, Shanali, did Celsius bring the crypto markets down with it or vice versa? It's a very good question because you did see a lot of the a drop in the crypto markets happen between Sunday and Monday. Sunday night is when you saw Celsius make this announcement that they would be pausing withdrawals. There was a lot of concern in weeks up to this point, Emily, that something like this could happen. Worries about Celsius being able to make due on yields of as much as 17% when it comes to these lending products. And the question now is, is there a broader contagion? We saw the Luna meltdown, and now we're seeing a different product also hitting turmoil. And what does that mean moving forward? You see Bitcoin itself, Emily, drop about 15% in that time frame between Sunday into Monday, and 26% over a seven-day period. So even though you saw a steady drop-off in Bitcoin over a seven-day period, the bulk of it really did become between yesterday and today. So how did this impact the broader global crypto markets? It's a great question because if you look at all of the top coins, you are seeing a lot of selling there. And is that just deleveraging liquidations among individual investors? Or is it on top of that just worry about the space at large, given you're seeing another project hit so much turmoil? The question now is you have Bitcoin coming down below 23 
$1,000. You have Ethereum also dropping to $1,223. So is there going to be much more pressure ahead as more investors digest what to make of the Celsius withdrawal issue here? Uh, we do tomorrow in our crypto show at 1 o'clock every Tuesday. Tomorrow we do have Mike Alfred of Eagle Brook who has been warning about the Celsius issue for weeks now. So the question is, should people have seen this coming and is there more trouble ahead? All right, Shanali, hang on. I want to dig into this deeper with our next guest, Kinjal Shaw, partner at Blockchain Capital. Kinjal, thank you so much for joining us. So how alarming to you is this Celsius situation? Thanks for having me today. You know, I think the Celsius situation is a particularly extreme example where, you know, a confluence of factors have led to this moment. There's certainly been a number of folks in the market saying for, for weeks now that this could be a possibility, particularly given the use of client funds that, you know, Celsius has been suspected to be using in various DeFi protocols. And so, you know, while this is particularly worrisome, you know, I think this is also not entirely unexpected and, and certainly is a, um, you know, a, a risk that a lot of folks in the market were, were thinking about. Okay, but there's something big rattling the market. I mean, getting down to, you know, $23,000 for Bitcoin, a new 18-month low, do you see the, you know, is, is the bottom further out or, or have we hit it? Yeah, I mean, it's always tough to to call the bottom. I think, and, and from my perspective, we are certainly nearing the bottom. Um, it's difficult to say what exactly is causing all of this, whether it's Celsius or whether it's just the lar larger macro conditions that are really causing a lot of um, a lot of sell-off over the past few weeks. And you know, I think this is a, a very risky asset class to begin with. And then when you pair that with what's, what's been happening globally, it certainly becomes challenging for, for new investors. You know, you look at Celsius and the relationship to staked Ether, for example, and then the decoupling of staked Ether from Ether itself. Kinjal, if you're looking at kind of maybe the larger ramifications here, whether there's any contagion in the system, given so many of these firms are interconnected, to what extent do you expect some contagion or more contagion? Yeah, you know, I, I certainly think this is unfolding live, you know, as we speak. Uh, the, the STE particular uh, situation, I think, will continue to unfold over the coming weeks and, you know, likely will have some impact on DeFi protocols largely as many pools um, of liquidity are holding STE. So we will likely continue to see a little bit more of an impact here. And as far as impacts go too, you know, is this going to take some steam out of the DeFi space more largely, especially because after some of these uh, implosions, after some of the ways that retail investors are impacted by this, it could draw some more regulatory attention? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the, the regulatory concerns have been looming. You know, I think DeFi has been sort of in the eyes of regulators for some time now. Certainly this might speed things up. However, long-term, I think DeFi is really trying to spur financial innovation and a lot of our regulators are um, aware of this and, and really responding um, in a way that hopefully we can continue to spur this, this innovation. Kinjal, we're just getting some headlines across the terminal that this inflation data that we got today, this very hot reading is likely to push the Fed to consider a 75 basis point hike later this week. Either way, inflation isn't going away anytime soon. Are you evolving your strategy at Blockchain Capital at all? And if so, how, given a rapid 
what seems to be devolution of market conditions. Yeah, I, I mean, at Blockchain Capital, we are still, you know, very much focused on the long-term um, thesis around digital assets and blockchain technology. And so we continue to sort of be um, pushing along with that thesis and advising our founders to, to ensure that they're prepared for the market ahead. Certainly the macro conditions are unprecedented. Crypto has not really existed with this sort of macro backdrop. And so we are um, you know, moving forward with uh, a little bit of wary, but we are certainly excited about the future ahead and, and continuing to think about the long term. Do you think that in the new macro environment, Bitcoin then changes its meaning relative to, to how we're seeing central banks really play out across the world and uh, inflation, you know, still remain hot, but Bitcoin going lower? Yeah, you know, I think as Bitcoin has increasingly become a more and more popular name among financial markets more broadly, the asset has certainly seen an influx of investors that are um, more diverse, I would say, than historically. So I think we'll continue to see some, um, a little bit of a interplay between tech and, you know, more broadly and Bitcoin. However, I still think the inflation and store value thesis has yet to, to fully play out here. All right, Kendall Shaw, partner at Blockchain Capital. Lots to continue to digest along with our own Shanali Basik. Thank you both. Coming up, a rallying cry from Elon Musk to Tesla employees as production slows. Will it work? We'll discuss next. This is Bloomberg. is warning of a rough economic road ahead for Tesla. In an email sent over the weekend, Musk essentially issued a rallying cry to employees to bounce back. For more, I'm joined by our Ed Ludlow, who reported this story for us. So, Ed, you know, first of all, we got a big internal memo from right. Elon Musk last week. For not, it's, it's, it's internal, not to it's us. It's the latest right? one. <laughs> it's the yeah. latest one. Now we have another memo from Elon Musk. What did he have to say? This is classic end of the quarter stuff. So, you know, we're in the beginning of June, Tesla's quarter ends at the end of this month. And the idea is that he's pushing the staff, you know, it's a rallying cry. He pointed out that this was the quarter, remember three weeks of shutdown in Shanghai, beginning of April, they had to go to extraordinary measures to keep that plant going. They rebounded in May, really good numbers for May out of China. And he was saying, this is the final push. And there was a second email a day later where he said, realize what you guys are doing means something. It's mm -hmm. impactful. Go for it. And I don't care what Wall Street thinks. So he's sending a lot of emails and tweets. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah. How does this tie into the, I have a super bad feeling about the economy, you know, remote work is essentially over. It's interesting because it's kind of stark contrast to the last set of emails where he said, according to sources as well, that he would lay off 10% of salaried workers because he had a super bad feeling about the economy. He did clarify that those that are actually building stuff, the cars, the battery packs, but that's not the target of layoffs. And, you know, it was only in October of last year, October, November, where Tesla was talking about being over 100,000 employees globally and this being a real point of pride. But 
the world's a very different place this mm -hmm. week. All right. And different indeed. We just had these headlines right. cross about the Fed potentially considering yes. 75 basis point rate hike on the back of this you know, bad inflation yeah. data. What do we know? So think back to the last Fed meeting and Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chair, said that 50 basis point hikes for June and July was what they were thinking about. 75 basis point hikes weren't on the table. We got the inflation data Friday where inflation mm. came in 1% growth in inflation month on month, hotter than expected, 8.6% year on year. And the market just changed psychology. Mm. You know, that the, there is no way the Fed can deal with this with its current stance. So the market's pricing in 75 basis point hike this week. You know, there was a Wall Street Journal report that kind of first put that out there. Now you have a series of banks like JP Morgan coming in saying, yep, we, we can see 75 basis points this week. Even going as far as to say 100 basis points could be a possibility this week. So our outlook is harder, faster, more aggressive hikes. So if you're a tech investor, you worry about that. So what do you do if you're a tech investor? Mark Mahaney earlier said there's really nowhere to hide. Nowhere. When well, you look at the hide. biggest points movers on the NASDAQ 100 on Monday, it's the likes of Apple, the likes of NVIDIA. You know, when we talk about higher rates, we talk about higher rates discounting the present value of future profits. But it's usually kind of pre-revenue stretch valuation companies that applies to. Even some of the creme de la creme of names like Apple, Apple. are feeling the pain. Mm -hmm. um, there is nowhere to hide. And... The other side of this is recession fear, right? The Fed, can it tackle inflation without causing a recession? There's skepticism from the market that they can. Recessions aren't good for anyone. He did say Amazon long-term still a good play and Meta long-term better than Google. That's what he said. Right. Kathy Wood says, <laughs> despite being seven, down 75% year to date on ARK Innovation, that in the long run, all those innovation names will be winners. So. All right. Well, uh, time will tell. Ed Ludlow, thank you sure. for that update. All right. To the box office. Top Gun Maverick has finally lost its crown. Jurassic World Dominion, the sixth film in the franchise about dinosaurs that escaped from an amusement park, fought off weak reviews to lead the North American box office toppling. Top Gun. Jurassic World made $143 million in its domestic weekend opening, according to Comscore, and more than $380 million worldwide. And that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. We're going to continue to watch this market meltdown across all of our Bloomberg platforms. We are back tomorrow with a number of big guests, including Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins and Rent the Runways' Jen Hyman. We'll have to ask them both about the market meltdown, what it means for consumers and enterprises. And of course, don't forget to check out our podcast. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast for all our news on the day. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg.
Uh, look, uh, what about other targets for Eric Ten Hag then? Right, I, I talked about the forward line being a priority. The number one priority is a midfielder. And Manchester United remain in talks with Barcelona over the signing of the midfielder Frankie de Jong. We're told there's been no official offer yet, but it's one of those situations in a transfer window. When is a bid a bid? I think the talks have centred around what kind of fee Manchester United will be prepared to pay and what kind of fee Barcelona want. And at the moment, those valuations are apart. That doesn't mean that, that this deal won't happen. It's looking more optimistic, but the noises we're getting that potentially there is a deal to be done, provided Manchester United get a price that they agree to. They don't want to be held to ransom at all by Barcelona on mm. this. Barcelona will say all the right things in public. We want Frankie de Jong to stay. The agent of Frankie de Jong may come out and say Frankie de Jong is happy in Barcelona, but it's all, all the, the posturing before a bid would have to go in because it's not in Barcelona's interest to say, yes, we are listening to offers from of Frankie course, de Jong because yeah. we need the money. Because then Manchester United will go in and say, well, why are we paying you however many millions for Frankie de Jong when we can get you at a more reasonable price? And as I mentioned, look, he, he took um, Ajax, he was part of that midfield that took Ajax to the, the semi-finals when they lost to Tottenham a few mm. years ago. He's got a contract that runs until 2026 at Barcelona. So that is definitely one to keep an eye on Frankie de Jong to Manchester United. Talks continuing between the clubs. They are also looking at central defenders on Manchester United. This one looks like it's the lowest priority of the three. Midfield first, forward line, mm -hmm. and then central defence. Because if you look at the, the numbers that they've got in the central defensive positions, it's still quite a lot. They've got Harry Maguire, Raphael Varane, Victor Lindelof, Eric Bailly, Phil Jones. Whether they will be first-team regulars next season will probably dictate whether Eric Ten Hag will want to go into the market. But he is looking at a couple. Ajax's Urian Timber. The, the Ajax yeah, say he's, keeps he's coming keen on up. The, yeah. it is, it, it's one of those situations where Ten Hag is looking at players that he knows, that he knows that he can work with and that he knows that could go straight into the team and mm. do a job for him. So Urian Timber is a player that United are looking at as well as Villarreal's Paul Torres who has been linked with not only United but a number of English clubs in the past couple of seasons. All right, brilliant stuff as always. Thanks, Don. For over a decade, we've been perfecting the perfect length, fit, and feel of shorts. Our shorts make every weekday feel like the weekend. Chubby's Proper Length Men's Shorts. Use code AUDIO15 for 15% off your first purchase. Delicious ice-cold drinks are just one reason to love McDonald's famous flavors, but nothing beats getting a great deal on your faves. Get any size frozen drink for free when you spend a dollar or more exclusively with a McDonald's app. 
Order up a tasty frozen Coke, frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry, or Wild Cherry. Open the McD app now for refreshing flavors. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Coca-Cola and Fanta are registered trademarks of the Coca-Cola Company. McD app download and registration required. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Telly, I love that theme music. Boy, my God, my son put his foot in that one. You hear me? Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another show, another segment, another dis- discussion with Setting It Straight with Miss Gray, along with my fabulous co-host all the way from Virginia is Miss Trey, Trey Abner. Hey, Trey, say hello. Hey, to- everybody. Over to the peeps, and then we've got Miss Thomas. She's here in town, but but for a short while because it's not the weekend yet. I don't know what she got. Maybe running the five k, ten k. I don't know what she. Anyway, maybe volunteering. But anyway, never let you down, Miss Tommy from around the way. Amen and amen. Amen. And thank you so much, so much for joining us, ladies, and thank you for our audience out there. Whether you're, you're viewing it live tonight. Um, <laughs> that beat is hot. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, you know, uh, whether you're gonna see us a little, a little later, uh, welcome again. Uh, thank you for your support. I know that one or two of you are out there praying for us, so we always welcome that as well. Well, it's June, we only got two more weeks, and we'll be in July. Two more weeks, we're in July, we're done. So what you don't get done this month, you better do it because you'll be back at school. My teachers, I feel my heart goes out to you because I know you were just trying to get to June and you got here and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> we just got here. I can't even turn around because some of them, I saw some of the schools, even though school was out, they had to go back and the parking lot was still filled. And they, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if they were packing up the class. I don't know what they were doing. So bless their hearts. But by the time you done packed up everything, guess what? You got to unpack it because you're going to be back in there in a minute. So my heart goes out to you all. And I pray that things will be better. I'm praying that despite what's happening in the world, it's going to get better some kind of way. Um, You've got to stay safe. You've got to 
be make you know you got to make sure trust your gut those of you who don't have the holy spirit activated trust your gut if your gut saying you know what i don't think i need to take this route today i don't think i need trust that please we've got to stay safe the world is unwinding it's unwinding and it is just not a happy place it's not a happy place my heart, our hearts go out to, you know, the families in Texas. Our hearts go out to the families in Philly. Our hearts go out to, I can't even keep up with the states anymore. I can't even tell you. Um, and our actors from my day uh, uh, that are 80 and 90 years old, every day, every week, I'm posting on my Facebook page with someone we know has already passed and, and has transitioned and actors and entertainers and, you know, so activists, uh, people that we know by name. Uh, so I'm, we're up to 110 people so far that we know that have passed away as of today. I just marked the 110th person that has passed away. So you guys got to be safe. You've got to be clear. You've got to be intentional. You've got to wake up in the morning and say, this is going to be a great day today. It's, it's, I'm going to make it a great day today. I don't care what I'm met with. I don't care who's not having a good day today. I'm going to make it a great day. So I'm going to smile. I'm going to speak to people. I'm going to wave to people. And it's in your eyes. It was so beautiful. This weekend, I was out. And, well, it was actually Friday, but I had my mask on. And this lady just looked at me and our eyes met. And I could see her smiling through her eyes. Literally, I could see it. So that's what you have to do because we can see if you're sad. We can see if you're in despair. We're mask or no mask, we can see it. We can see that you're in a hurry. We can see that you're speeding around. We can see that you're frazzled. We can see it all. We can see it all, but we can't meet, we can't get with everybody. I can't follow everybody home. We can't, you know, just appear and scare you half to death. So it's on you to take that responsibility. You've got to leave your house and wherever you're going from day to day, from point A to point B to point F, you've got to be determined just to be happy that day, just for yourself, just for yourself. And if you're sending the kids off the camp, you tell them you make it that day. When I used to drop my, my twin boy off at his after school job, I said, you set the atmosphere. Even though you're dealing with kids who are just all over the place and don't want to respect nobody and talking back to people and all that. I say, you set the atmosphere. He said, yes, ma'am. And he'll come in. I said, how was it? How was it today? Well, you know, they tried to climb, but they ain't climbing the walls in my classroom. I said, that's what I'm talking about. Just, just set that. He said, mom, I'm never going back. I said, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I, I know how he feels. I know how he feels. I'm, I could go into a nursing home, don't even blink. I don't even check in. Sometimes I walk at the door and keep, I used to keep, just kept going. I was going to see my mother. I was going to see whoever. I just go, I didn't even check in. I was so comfortable. But daycare? And these little people come over, hey, hey. I'm like, oh my God. Come get them. Come get them. Who are these little people? Who are these little people? <laughs> and I went my oldest son. He was 28. He was at daycare. And I walked in and he was standing and was looking at me like fear in his eyes. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Come on. Come on. He, he didn't move. And then I saw the teacher talking to a set of parents over in the corner. So I said, come on. I'm a, I already signed out. Let's go. And he didn't move. And he's looking dead at me. And then all of a sudden I heard somebody say, are you down a mama? 
I'm looking around. Who's saying that? And I looked at my son. He st- he had his eyes on this person. And I looked down. I said, "Did you say something to me?" Yes. I, are you down a mama? Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. I had a little Daisy Dukes on and I said, "Oh Lord, have mercy." Oh God. She done trapped my son into something. He probably gave up his lunch or something. I don't know. Gave him a nickel. I, you know. So I watched the teacher and I got down on one knee. I said, look at little girl. I don't know why your mama's sending you to school, but I'm sending my son to school to be the boss one day. You touch him, you go near his mat, I'll take your hat out. I promise. I will come and visit you tomorrow. Do I need to come visit you tomorrow? No, ma'am. Well, take your hands off your hip and go sit down somewhere and wait on your mama. I said, son, come on. <laughs> come on, you about seven feet. Come on here. Come on, get in the car. So I sat and up cranking up the car. This girl comes, so this little Dodge, Dodge come racing into the parking lot, and the mama get out. I said, "Oh, that's a mama. That's a mama. That's a mama. I'm not gonna deal with." It. So daycares and little nursery people with little people running around. I ooh, but nursing home not a problem. Anyway, that you didn't come here to hear all of that. Had to get that off my chest, I guess. I lost 20 pounds a day. Thank you, Jesus. Finally unloaded something off of somebody. I lost 20 pounds in my car. I'm so happy about that, but we'll talk about that another time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, this is Happy Father's Day this week. It's coming up Sunday. Happy Father's Day. And I'm going to remember my daddy forever. So happy Father's Day to our engineer, producer, Jason, and everybody who's got fathers. Happy Father's Day out there to you. Happy Grandfather's Day. Happy Uncle's Day. We're going to give it all to you. Okay? That's the only day you get. Sunday. That's it. (laughs) So you cherish it. That's all we can do. One day out of the year. That's it. Oh, no, wait, two days. Your birth, well, birthday, Christmas, yeah, okay. All right, so if you get that, now if you don't want to tie dads, husbands, if you're tired of, you've got every silk tie in every color that there is. Even your alma mater, where you went to college, where you went to day school, you know, you got all the colors. Okay, so let the people know, you know, give me a gift card so I can go get what I want. And go to, and, and if your husband, ladies, if, if you're a man or if your dad or your uncle are outdoorsmen, go to the Bass Pro Shop. I don't think you got one like it anywhere else. We got one up here in Orlando, so you may have to take a trip. But anyway, get them a gift card because it's got everything for an outdoors person that you could ever imagine. I'm overwhelmed in that store. I did a mystery shop job when I first moved here. That was my first assignment. Scared me half to death. I didn't think you could put that many fishing poles in one place. I just, I, I was like, what the, the, what kind of store is this? The, the, the boats are inside the store. What the, what? And it blew my mind. And at that point, I wish I was an outdoors person because I would go, you could go find anything. They had an archery room in the back. I love the archery room because every bow and arrow, electric, non-electric, manual, bullseye, everything is being sold back there. Rifles and guns, I don't want to tell you about that because I don't want you to get too happy about that. But anyway, um, I don't know if they still got those. I haven't been in the store for a while. But, you know, get the man something he can use. Okay? If you got, now I know somebody who bought their loved one years and years ago. Uh, their daddy or loved one or somebody. They bought them the toolbox. Nice, durable toolbox. But there were no tools in them. And I, I, I've never been able to quite get that 
<laughs> what was the purpose? Why are you going to tempt the man thinking that he's going to get something <laughs> and ain't nothing in the toolbox? I can see if he has some money in there, but there's nothing in the toolbox. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Well, to each his own. But I ain't about to, when my daddy was alive, I was not about to buy him a toolbox and there's no tools in it. If you don't know what to get, just make it up. They love anything. You can get the sockets. You can get this every all kinds of sizes of screws. You can get all kinds of things. Get every color hammer there is and put it in there. Let them choose. You know what I'm saying? But please don't, don't mess with the men. This they only get this one day. They only get this one day. So make it good. You know, you, most men don't like you giving them money. So I get that. Give them a gift card. You know, bake them a pie and, and, and call it a day. You know, I get. Come on now, you know, just, just, just come on, you know, do a little better. Now, you know, I, I think I, I pay honor to my dad every year and, and on his birthday, which was November 11th. And, you know, I miss my dad and everything. And um, I know my kids miss their dads and, and their dad, which was my last husband and, and everything. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a day of rejoicing and celebrating and, and whatever you're going to do, the cookouts and all that kind of stuff. But don't mess with the man. Don't pick a fight. Don't don't pick a fight on, on Sunday. Just if you don't want to go to church, it's OK. Don't, don't don't say, well, you need to go to church because you need to be saved. Don't start that lecture, please. please just, just let it be his day. OK, let it be his day. Well, he's going to hell. Well, that's that, that's his choice. But this let Sunday be his day. OK, OK, you go to church. OK, but you got to come back for something now. Don't come back empty handed. Don't come back with a plant and tell him to plant it. Don't, don't, don't see, don't do stuff like that. So you try to make the relationship work. Even though you've been married for 20 years, you know, so can you do, I know you've been buying the same thing over and over again. Mix it up a little bit. Make him laugh a little bit. Okay. You know, put some spruce in it, you know, spice it up. Come on now, you know, and, and, and do that, you know, I remember a grab. I'm gonna let the ladies chime in, you know, come on in here. But I remember when my husband, my marriage was not the best, unfortunately. But I know when he would come off the road, and 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 thank God I had the kids because the kids really diverted his attention and just made him, he forced him to be happy and everything. So we do little parties, just a little grab back. And he never, he was one of nine, and he never had a birthday party. He never had it because there's more boys in the family. So he never had a birthday party. So I make sure no matter what we were going through, I'd have, you know, we have the banner on the wall. We have balloons and stuff like that. Um, I run the Charlie's, get his favorite ribeye steak and mushrooms. And but I'm getting kind of hungry. Um, anyway, did somebody go to the 18? Okay. Anyway, I want to make sure my wings are on their way. But anyway, um, and I have a little grab bag for him, for everybody. So everybody, so we got him toenail clippers and Rolaids because he loved the Rolaids and the Tums and just bare aspirin, just crazy stuff. And then little toys, we put little little hoop toys, all kinds of. And he had to, he would just laugh. He said, "Y'all crazy, y'all crazy." I said, well, look who, yeah, okay. Anyway, you know, I just let him have it. <laughs> you know, look who we live with. You know, but, you know, I let him have that, and it made his day, and he. He packed it up with his, you know, when, in his grip when he got ready to get on the road. And he remembered things. So let them have that day. What y'all thinking about, ladies? I agree with you on that. That is funny, though. You buy a toolbox. But maybe they buy an empty toolbox because the old toolbox need to be thrown away. 
So that's why they didn't have no tools in the toolbox. But um, I remember I used to buy my dad. My dad is deceased. It's going on two and a half years now. But um, I remember always buying some tennis shoes or like you say, a tie. Or he would, he, I remember when I first got my first job, I bought him this mug and I had his name. I, I used to call him Pop. And I put that on his engraved mug. I was so proud of my mug because I bought it with my own money. But um, he used to still drink out it till he passed away. He would still drink out that same mug, and I still have it. But um, as I got older and I um, was grown and children and all that, and my dad had my dad was a very simple man, so he didn't really require much. And he asked me, I said, Dad, what can I get you for Father's Day? Uh, it might have been his birthday, one of the two. And I'll never forget. He said, do you have time? I said, yeah, I got time. Time for what? He said, you got time that you can sit down and talk to me? I said, yeah, anytime now. He said, all I need is some time that we can sit to know each other and talk about anything, but just sit, just give me some of your time. That's all he had. And that always stuck with me. I would still get a card. I might still get a shirt or something that I see he might need or something that I saw was wearing down and I would, you know, re, re um, purchase it. But I always made sure I sat down and had time for him. And we would sit and talk. I'd say, well, you want me to get you something to drink? You want something to eat? No, I'm good. Or, yeah, can you go get him a little cookies? Or whatever the case may be. But all he asked for was time. Just to sit and talk. And I took that home as when I go visit some of my elderly friends or my family. I got time to sit down and talk with them for we to reminisce or laugh or just talk about the simple things. And sometimes they just need time. Like when you go visit at a nursing home or, you know, whatever the case may be, just that simple time to allow them to get to know you or you get to know them better. You ask questions when you grew up and how things were and different things. He enjoyed talking about those things. He reminisced about how his sisters and brothers and all, they used to play and who played and who didn't play, who left home early, whatever, whatever, you know. And my daddy was a family historian. He remembers so much that was going on. And the only way I learned it by sitting and giving him some time to talk with him. So that's what I remember, and that's what I miss the most of sitting and talking. He used to like to sit outside, and I would say, okay, Daddy, but I, I would continually, because it seemed like he would dehydrate real easy, continue to make him drink, drink water. But we would sit and talk, and we would just, you know, notice what was going on around in the neighborhood, cars passing or whatever. So it was just all about his time. And that's what I remember in 
recall the most about my dad. I guess I'll chime on, chime on in. So, <laughs> ooh, okay. <laughs> so, um, well, my father's still living. So he just turned 91 in May. And so I am one of four daughters and, care, you know, we are caregivers for our, my dad. And so my dad, he was all girls in our family. So, you know, he kind of doted on us. As, it was no males, but he didn't need any. And I don't think he missed it uh, too much. So, um, but my dad was, he was, he was a, the softer one or mom was the more disciplinarian. So, um, pretty much if you wanted to try to get a better, yes, you go to dad. Um, but he was also, uh, he rode bicycles with us. He skated, you know, he was a great skater. He was in the military. So I'm pretty sure he did a lot of skating while he was in the military. So he was a great skater. Um, he, um, dancing, loved music, uh, smooth. So I remember he and my mom doing ballroom dancing, um, when she, she was living. So, um, but he was a jokester, uh, life of the party, um, fun loving guy, uh, love family. And, um, you know, we just try to keep, keep those, you know, those memories going because he's, he's, uh, like I said, he's 91. And his, his mind is not as sharp as it used to be. Um, but he still has that humor. He still likes to sing, had a nice voice. Um, so that's what I remember of him, you know, younger. Um, still funny. He, he still has some funny ways about him, but he's a people person. And um, he loves having people around him. He loves having family around him. So, um, you know, I was very fortunate. You know, I was very fortunate to have have my dad in my life. So um, that's something that I will definitely cherish uh, about him. And I know with four daughters and my mom, Valentine's Day, big heart for my mom, small, small, four small hearts for his daughters were left on the bed. So, you know, those are the things I remember. Chivalry, uh, opening the door, standing up when a woman um, approached the table or was leaving the table, took the hat off while he's in the house. You know, those those types of things. I putting your coat on, help you take your coat off. I remember all of that and just kind of showing us how, you know, like when we started going to dances and uh, junior high dances and high school dances, kind of showing you how the gentleman's supposed to not pull you on the floor, but kind of ask you to, to get on the floor and not extending the handshake to a woman unless a, the woman extends it first to the male. So I remember, you know, things like that, that old school. And, and my mom was definitely of that, that era as well. So, you know, fond memories of that. And I just keep, keep those going and try to bring some things up to him to kind of get his memory going. And, and, uh, some childhood stories he, he still remembers and says, so, uh, very much a comedian. So those are the things that I do remember. Amen. And, 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 you know, uh, Tommy, we were talking about earlier what you would get your dad and everything. And I remember one year, you know, again, buying it with your own money. <clears throat> I brought him a brown suit. 
I brought him a brown suit and my dad wore it, you know, maybe once or twice at church, but sometimes he just wears shirt and tie and slacks and stuff, but he didn't wear suits to the church, to church when we would go. But once I brought him that brown suit, he, he wore that. And then um, a year and two months before he actually ever passed away, um, he, uh, I was in the hospital and asking him, you know, you have to have that talk, talk with your dad, daddy. Okay. What you want me to do? Cause what if, it's time and you know, you gotta be very, you know, you're careful about that, even though I'm a social worker and 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 who I was, but I'm I'm I was Willie Lee's daughter every time I walked in that hospital, every time I was on the phone and inquiring about, you know, the next steps for him. And he said, Well, I wanna be buried next to my mama. Take me back to Bronson. Yes, sir. He said, Bury me in my that suit you brought me. Yes, sir. Done. I'll never talk about it again. And, you know, a year and two months later, God gave me another year, healed him, gave me another year with him. And then, you know, so I don't want to leave this on that sad note, because I mean, you know, I, I, we want to reminisce. And, and I, you know, I, 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 for me, I'm so glad that I had such a great time with my parents and, and I had my conversations with my parents and I told them every day I love them because I was adopted at birth. So I told them every day I love them. I would call home at lunch before I go to lunch. And stuff, even though I lived at home, you know. Um, so you, 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 and I'm saying all this because, as a therapist now, I have people in therapy who talk about regretful things that they didn't do with family, that they didn't do with that mom, or they didn't, didn't do with that dad, and now this has haunted them for years. And now we are able to trace some of it to their from the. Uh, you know, the reason for your depression is because you never forgave. You never had that conversation. And so please think about that. We're, we've got trying times ahead of us. Being family, being with your family is more, it's, it's going to become crucial. And this is just Leisha Gray talking now. I know that different situations, scenarios, events, experience, the past, I understand. Trust me, I understand. I'm not checking on my biological folk that are still living. They have they have adult children to do that. God has not put that in my spirit. All of my family that I was raised with are deceased now. And I get it. I get it. You go through, but I don't you don't want to live with the regret that once they do close their eyes and they transition on, you can't go back and have the conversation. You can't go back and say, hey, you know, I think I, I got that wrong. Or oh, I heard this or whatever. Families who are united right now, you're going to need each other unlike ever before. If you don't have family, you have friends that are real close, make sure you get everything resolved and be closer than a brother. Because I'm telling you, you don't want to be alone in this world. You don't want to be alone. <clears throat> so you go and get you a family legally, you know, nicely. Don't do nothing to scare people now. Okay. <laughs> but make sure you've got somebody checking in on you. You're checking in on somebody as well. Amen. Also this month is um, World Elder Abuse Awareness. And now we're talking about the elderly. And the Bible is very clear. 
Jesus said, and God even said it in the Old Testament, take care of the widows and the orphans. Today's orphanage is foster care, adoption agencies, okay? That's the modern day, you know, orphanages. And you need to be there for people. You need to treat your family, your kids, and everything, but your elderly. I don't care what you've been through. Our elders, we have standing on their shoulders today, no matter what ethnic group you represent. We are standing on their shoulders for what they did, for hopefully a life that they tried to make better. Some may not have been able to leave a financial legacy behind, but they left some common sense behind. They left some wisdom and knowledge behind. Okay? Our elderly, now that's my heart. My elderly, that's my heart. And that's what my nonprofit, once the Lord releases me, I'll be working on that. Someone asked me the other day, do you think you would ever open uh, up, an, up a group home? And I said, I've had one. I had a 16-bed facility. Um, and I, I think I've conquered that. I don't think I'm, because the rules and regs for those places now is off the chain. To open up one, you're looking at about $50,000 just to open the try to get the door open with the security and the fire things and everything like that. So I don't think I'm to go down that route, but I'll go in and check people out though and make sure the services are being rendered. But um, yes, go ahead. Can can I just interject, please? Um, I, I just want to, to kind of um, put it out there to folks. Since it's, you said it's elder abuse awareness month as well. Um, I want to just encourage people to check yourself. If you don't have the patience or you have anger issues or, you know, really know the population, if you can't handle it or if, if you feel that, you know, you're, if you're working in a assisted living facility or nursing home, if it's getting too much for you, get out. It, it, just, just, just get out of it. I, I said, because, you know, it, it'll put you in trouble. That's, that's number one. You know, it'll put you in trouble. And they don't need it. The, the seniors don't need that. You, you, you don't need that. So if that's not your forte, and even though you have the training for it and you've done it, if that's not your forte, recognize it and just go. Just, just go. Um, being a caregiver, it, there are some trying times. But, you know, having folks to come and care for your loved one as well, you know, having your loved ones in the facility, I've seen different facilities, you know, uh, my father's been in a facility of rehab before, you know, if, if you're a family member uh, and you're, you have a family member in on uh, one of those facilities, make sure you check on them. Don't, don't announce when you come in. Don't, you know, have different people go in because I tell you, things happen. You know, it's not like you, you can prevent stuff. Things do happen, but just check on your people, check, check on your people. Um, and then be that voice for them because sometimes they're the voiceless. You can't, you know, you, 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 you do a disservice if you don't, you know, and, but like I said, just, just recognize if you're going into be a CNA or PCA or whatever A there is, and that's not your forte, don't, don't, don't stay in it. Just, just don't stay in it. Thank you, Trey. You're absolutely right. There's just certain jobs that's just not for people. You know, being a landlord, that's not for me. Working in sales at a register, that's not for me. 
I, I never was. You know, you got to know, you know, know yourself. I know you're trying to get a job and I get that, but there's got to be something else you could do when you don't like people and you get you out there and you're the face of the people. You answer the phone. Hello. I, was, I, I, I called Walmart and the other day, they're like, hello. I was like, is this uh, Walmart? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How can I help you? So, oh, yeah, she had a bad day. <laughs> she had a bad day. And it gets it's coming to that because they're getting ready to go through something major internally. So, I mean, you, and you don't know what people are going through. You don't know. I was just talking to somebody before I got on the show and I was like, you know, I've got to be careful. You can't you can't honk back at people. You can't fuss back at people. You don't know if what's on their mind. You don't know if they're licensed to carry. You don't know if what they're carrying. You just got to just stay out of the way. Go to the grocery store. Show yourself friendly now. Don't show yourself afraid. Show yourself friendly. But just know to stay out of, you know, when you hear things that this, it just don't feel right. Something just don't feel right. Because, I mean, people are just not happy. And it's not going to get any better. So we need to take care of our elders as best as you can. Uh, it's hard to do placement. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I cried every day, but I had no choice. My mother needed the care. She needed for safety reasons. And I and I couldn't do it all and work. I, I couldn't do it all. And I, I had to place her. And I've started with assisted living. That didn't do. The Alzheimer's just turned her into this very mean person. And, 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 and I was just like, okay, I got to put her in a nursing home. And I had no choice because her body functions, everything was, you know. So, you know, you just have to make that decision. And it's about safety. And I'm so glad I made that decision. I'm so glad because I can look back and I had the greatest and I did the best that I could, you know. And I have no regrets. Please try to reduce, if not eliminate, the regrets in your life. You've been there, done that, it's over. That was yesterday's news. What about today? What about today? Because whatever you're going to carry in today, you're going to carry into tomorrow as well. Resolve the thing. Call it a day and stand on it. I was I had a client in my office and it was a gentleman and he was like, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not there. The clients that are court ordered to me, I am oh, any of my clients. I'm not there to prophesy, to, pro, you know, get you in a church and all that is not what you're there because you're court ordered. You're there because you call and say, hey, I, I need, you know, some help. And and that's what I'm very, um, I'm that very sensitive to that. And so and it was funny because he's like, well, I know the Bible. And I'm like, well, good for you. Now, tell me about what's your thought on David when he was 15 and out there tended to the lambs, you know, and the sheep and everything. And then he went in and told his dad and he looked at me like I was talking Greek. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to take this to this other level because you don't have to tell me what you know. It's how you live. How are you living? How are you living? You know, and, and in the end of the session, the gentleman thanked me. He said, I am so glad. I had to get in trouble. Because, so I could come to hear you. And he said, you won't see me again, Miss Gray. I said, I hope I won't. I hope that I won't. I hope you learned something here. And, you know, just, just don't live with regrets, guys. I have no regrets in my life. Even the marriages, I have no regrets. 
I made the decision. I lived with it for a minute, got out of one, went to another, got into another one, not unbeknown to me, got beautiful. I got my kids. I'm good. I'm good. But you got to, y'all got to clear up stuff. You got to clear up. You can't have no misinformation. Don't walk around holding stuff in. Let me know. You anybody got any art with me? Come to me. Call me. You know how to reach me. Let's talk it out. I let I've been letting people know a lot this week. And like I said, even today, I lost 20 pounds. I was carrying something for so long for somebody else. And the God opened that door wide and I gave I unloaded. So that's another thing, too. You know, what you didn't get done yet, what didn't get done yesterday, figure out a better plan today and then work on it tomorrow. But stop blaming people. Stop pointing the finger. My mother never paid me no attention. Okay, and your point. You're 35 years old. Where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? Write her a letter. Say, this is what I don't let down. I'm never going to talk to you. You'll never meet your, meet your grandkids. Done. Mail it and say, goodbye. I hope you have a best life. But this is what you've done to me. Get it out. Get it out. Don't take it out on a stranger. Because you're driving haphazardly because you all depressed. You all angry. Get it out. And let it go. And stand on it. That's one thing. That's the reason why I brought up the male client. I told him, I said, well, whatever your decisions are, sir, stand on it. But you got to support it, though. You got to support it. I can support mine. Can you support yours? It's not about talking this out anymore. Support it. Stand on it. Believe in it. Do what you need to do for you because ain't nobody listening. Who are you? Where are you making changes? At? And I'm still going to go back to this and then I want the ladies to talk these last few minutes. You know, my thing is whether you're in ministry, whether you're in the school, whether you're in a therapy office, where, wherever, what difference are you making? What difference are you making? in your life space, everywhere your feet is treading, what difference are you making? That's what we're living for now. This is the season that we're in now. What difference are you making? Not about what people think about you. I didn't say that. I said, what difference are you making? Because if you're making a difference, it don't matter what folks think about you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to talk about prayer, but I want the ladies to come on in and chime in um, and, and, you know, add their pieces to this. Whatever your thoughts are right now. I know we talked about two major subjects, but whatever's on your mind, guys, come on. And then I'm going to talk about something a local representative said on Facebook. And she um, she had to eat those words. I guess. Go ahead, Tom. I was just getting ready to say, you know, what you said makes so much sense, Miss Gray. What type of life are we living? What kind of changes are you making in your life? And I'm really getting tired of people using the excuse. Well, it's just a vicious cycle. It happened to me, so I end up doing it to somebody else. Well, why bring that hurt on somebody else? Think about your hurt before you hurt somebody else. 
make the change, change your life. Instead of hurting them, prevent them from being hurt by somebody else. Because you should know that pain that you carry or that suffering you went through. That's how you change your life. Stop the vicious cycle. Stop hurting someone. Stop hurting people that have hurt you. Learn how to change your hurt and take that pain and make that pain a purpose of making joy or protecting or loving. It is easy for me to say that. And it does take steps to get to that point. But just as Miss Gray have the care circle, call and talk to her. Call and talk to somebody that can help you make that change. Because that's the only way your life is going to get better. It's time out for using old excuses. It's time out. And I'm just saying this because I am really getting tired of people making the statement, well, you know, he was abused at this time. Okay, but then why does he cause that same pain on somebody else? Why? If anything, he should know what that pain is and not want to bring it on somebody, but change it where you can protect somebody from it. That's my take on how do you change your life? What do you do from now? Where do you go from now? Stand back and look in the mirror at yourself. You need guidance from God and those that can give you some assistance. But you need to stop that now and stop using the excuse of, well, I was hurt. Well, no. Well, if you were hurt, stop the hurt. Protect those from being hurt like you were. And stop that vicious cycle. Because what you find out is when you help somebody, it helps relieve that pressure and the pain off of you. It really does. So we need to learn to do that for each other. I mean, there are so many people that are hurting. But it doesn't, but what makes it better is not continuous pain. What stops that vicious cycle of pain is by helping each other and protecting each other, young and old, young and old. And don't say, well, that was meant for them. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Sometimes people act and not realizing what they're acting on, and that's when they're young. But when you get older and you still making these same mistakes, there's no excuse because you know better. Because you know better. Those are my takes on it. And to piggyback on 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 you, Tommy and, and Leisha, you know, and I was thinking about something when you all were talking, and I'm thinking, you can ask yourself, are you part of the problem or part of the solution? Are you helping or are you hindering, you know? And so one of the things is you have to try to be really in tune to yourself. When I say those five minutes, a few minutes to yourself, just to woo saw away from everybody else, to buckle the noise, 
five minutes is maybe not a lot of time, but if you're used to being around a noise, it's a good amount of time to kind of get your hair straight, whether or not you self-talk or whether or not you're using your prayer or whether or not you're just looking at the things that God has created and figure out, okay, what is it that I'm going to do to make a difference? And just to say, you know, some behaviors are cyclic, but I think sometimes, Tommy, people are in it so much, they, they forget it's a cycle. It's like they've been on this, this roller coaster that's round and round and round and round. And they forget that it's a cyclic uh, behavior of families or whatever you're going through. So I just want to, and this is no, this is, this is no, no, uh, the suggestion I'm giving is not anything that should be in lieu of therapy. I'm not a therapist, but I'm just going to just throw some things to make it easier. So if you have a piece of paper, write down, write down your hurts on one side. So you can recognize it. You can say, when that five minutes, I'm hurt because my mother did this, or I'm bothered by this because my my ex did that. And then on the other side, what are you willing to do to change it? What are you willing to do? Not what somebody else is willing to do. And it could be little stuff. I agree to talk with someone about it to help me process it. I will agree to start out positive stuff. And one of the things that is um, two words that I give my clients sometimes, especially the ones who are my teenagers or my kids, and I've given it to adults too. If you don't know how to express something, it's two simple words. I feel, I feel this way when you do that. I feel this way when you say this. And so those two words, but then also to the person who's on the opposite end of that has to use effective communication. That doesn't mean talk. That means listen. I'm not saying here, I mean, listen. And when you start listening to what people are saying, you have a better understanding of what they're feeling. And so maybe that will help kind of change and sway your attitudes towards, I'm going to treat this person this way because that's the way someone talks. No, 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 no. Come on, let's slow it down some. And I always like to that go to treat people the way you would want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I think if you think about that, and really be in tune with that, I think the, the world could be a better place. I could be wrong, but I think if we started with that first, how would so I feel if someone did that to me? That's a start. And then I think move forward from there. But I really want to throw out there, get some help. Talk to somebody. And therapy is, if you don't understand what therapy is, call call a therapist and ask consultation. If you don't have to give your right name, just ask what a consultation is. What is it? What does therapy mean? You know, so instead of these misnomers that somebody's telling you what to do, no, really it's more I person-centered and helping you process. If I'm wrong, Ms. Gray, let me know. Um, but it's probably helping you process it because if you if you if you give the man a fish, he's not going to know. But if, So bringing it back to that, if you help someone process their problems, the services won't always be needed. Might not always be needed. It depends on the circumstance. And if you still need it, still go. I would never discourage anyone from seeking help. And that's my take. You're absolutely right, Trey. Um, a therapy, a good therapy session, a therapist is one that is accompanying you on your journey. Social workers creed is we meet you where you're at. So when you come into the office, why will you refer to me? What are you seeking help for, for right now? What do you think? Well, I was court ordered. We're right there. Okay, 
And I, I'm not an angry person, but I got to take this anger management. Not a problem. Can I have your name, please? Can we start there? You know, and a good therapist is not going to tell you what to do and how to do it. We walk along with you and we watch you figure it out because you're the one who has to live it, not us. And I'll talk about that maybe in one another session that, you know, what is therapy and, and what's the difference between a psychiatrist, psychologist and a licensed clinical clinical mental health therapist, licensed clinical social worker, licensed clinical um, mental, uh, mental uh, health person, because those are different things. We, we end up at the same juncture, but it's different things, different things that we do and different strategies that, that they use. And last but not least, I just want to share you. One of my uh, representatives here in Florida was, uh, I guess she's in Tallahassee or she's in D.C. and she's talking about gun violence. And you got to be careful. And we want to talk about this communication thing. You got to be careful when you are addressing people and when you've got something you are compassionate about or you're angry about or you're upset about. You got to really make sure you 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 form your words well and 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 be careful what you're saying because it once it's out there it, and you could you could take the post down of of, of the video. But it doesn't go anywhere because we've already shared it and everybody's already heard it and it's on all your social media. But this particular person was saying, I guess she's addressing gun violence. I'm going to say this real fast. And she said these words, prayer and thoughts are great. No, are good. My grandchildren could do that. Okay. Okay, but you can get a film, you know, going to churches and stuff like that. So, you know, you got to be very careful about what you're saying and how you say what your what your intentions are, because stuff stuff really truly come out. And if you don't and you can't dial it back, you cannot dial it back. Prayer is the answer to prevention. We are in crisis now. Once upon a time, we were in early crisis, early intervention, intervention and then crisis. We are in crisis now. There's nothing out there but prayer that can help you to prevent. That's going to be the last thing I say. We're going to see you next week. Same time, same station. You stay safe. Thank you, ladies.